disciplined investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. Flippity-floppity, the year starts kind of sloppity, smacking the tech as rates rise pretty rapidly. The economy, while it looks great, what's going on with stocks? And some thoughts on the January effect. All this and much more on episode number 748 of the Discipline Investor Podcast. New Year starts and markets are kind of confused. Are you? Well, that's what we're here for. Hello, Andrew Horowitz here from Horowitz Company Studios. Yeah, we're broadcasting in our beautiful studios that we built a few years ago. We produce both the Discipline Investor podcast here and DH Unplugged as well, live, of course, on Tuesday evenings. Not this Tuesday coming up as we have a best of running, which kind of was fun to put together. You know, I finally built this studio after many years having an area in my office itself, right? I had a big office, kind of enough room for a big desk and a few chairs and a table. And I kind of segregated an area for many years just for this studio I put together. And it was good, but the sound was terrible. You had to do all sorts of work to get the hissing and air conditioning, all that out. And a few years back, I decided, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I deserve a studio. So when I moved to a new office, I said, you know, that room right there, that office right there, that is the perfect size to convert to a studio where I can have not only audio, but also entire video suite available. And that's exactly what we did. And I love this studio. Got soundproofing on the wall over here. All this, uh, you've probably seen some of the videos, but behind me and on the side, there's all the soundproofing and there's uh, this lighting, which we're not using right now, but there's this lighting that's really great and it's available on a moment's notice. It's ready to go if I have to do an interview, in, in, in another podcast, record something, uh, webinars. We do it from here as well too. So cool. I love it. I love it. So just thought I'd mention that at the beginning of the year. Hey, did you see the new cover art? for the show. Kind of different than we've seen before in the past. We've had kind of me either in a suit or some kind of jacket with a blue background, very financial, you know, very uh, old IBM school of blue. And this time decided to do a little something different. You're looking at the show on your phone, on your computer, somewhere where you collect your podcast. You'll notice that there's kind of a bit of a caricature of me that kind of looks like me a little bit. I'm going to do some work on it to make the font a little bit bigger, but I thought it was pretty cool. Kind of start the new year off 2022 on a different note. So hopefully you enjoyed that. So here we are, 2022. Kind of feels the same as we've had in the past Januaries with some of the excitement after such a wonderful year and a big workup to the end of the year and then back to the grind, right? That's what we have each and every year when it comes to the markets. But, you know, this year it's interesting because while we've had these kinds of points in the market history recently that we thought we were going to have what they call the official word of liftoff by the Fed, which is their increase of rates, this time it may actually happen. As we see, inflation has kicked up pretty substantially, which I want to put a pin in that for a second, talk about inflation right after this. But I have some thoughts on what's happening here. And at the same time, what we're finding is that there is a significant amount of uh, benefit that has come to the economy through the various stimulus post or part of the pandemic. And here we are in a situation where really the Fed does not believe that they're very ultra-loose, very dovish policies can do much more to enhance the economic situation. They're kind of at a point that it's going to hurt, 
and they're already in a policy mistake situation. Frankly, I think they're about to make another policy mistake as we see the impact of Omicron hit, as we see we're kind of post uh, the inflation hit. They should have done this a lot earlier to subdue all of this and have some more powder left. But that's what I've been talking about. They seem to make mistake after mistake after mistake. And here we are as the individuals that got to put up with this crap through either higher prices or lower stock market levels. Potentially higher rates maybe that we get at the bank. So that's good. One of the things that we did over the last several weeks was kind of cull through the stocks that we have in the portfolio that we aggressively trade, the TDI managed growth strategy, and took the position that while we had a short on there as a hedge on a broad market, it really wasn't doing much. In fact, it was going backwards for a while, and it really wasn't helping. It was hurting. So you know what? We're going to go to a higher level of cash as the outlook looks a little cloudy. Now, that's helped. Now, there's still some downside here, but you know, there is always going to be the potential for push and pull depending on where we are in the markets. And as we are right now still in an economic situation that is pretty good, you know, we do know that, hey, we're seeing that job growth is doing well. We're seeing that uh, manufacturing is doing okay. That the potential for the supply chain issues are in some areas abating while others are still a concern. We see lockdowns in China again. In Xi'an, 17 million people are under lockdown. That's going to cause a problem. We see that they're also locking down some of the ports. That's a bit of a problem. But other areas around the world are kind of opening up, and that's a good thing. So we increase cash. Our swing positions have been reduced, which means that we can also raise some cash if we wanted to or find those areas of support that would be really interesting. You know, we have some things to really think about right now and what is really going on with the markets. I mean, I think we're still in a really weird mode that markets are trying to trade off of things like rates and rotations. And this is a, kind of why the underlying volatility is there. Interesting that we have had really a crash. I'll call it a crash in a lot of different names. Look, some of these are down 40 to 70% off of their highs. That qualifies as a crash. Now, okay. So we look at the markets and, you know, the markets themselves, uh, down 3, 4, 5%, 7%, 8% from their all-time highs. And that is a concern that we're getting into corrective territory from some of them. And even if some of these stocks that have crashed were at ridiculous prices to begin with, yeah, okay, when does it become a turning point that is viable? For some, probably never. Maybe it's going to be one of these stocks that came out, there was a lot of excitement, and then the realization hit that these guys are just never going to do well. Some management just simply stinks. Let's be honest about that, right? I mean, some management is terrible. The fact is that, you know, other management, that's really great. Well, maybe they're just in a situation where they're in a sector that is being rotated out of for one reason or another. For some names that are great companies with this excellent management, maybe they are caught up in a sector rotation. So there's this idea that 80% of a move in a stock can be attributable to the move in an underlying index or in the markets as a whole. And if you look at that forwards and backwards, inside and out, kind of makes some sense. If you think about what's going on there, what's happening is essentially what I'm saying and what you can prove out here is, you know, as markets go down, stocks go down. Well, yeah, not all stocks go down all the time. And that's where you get that 20% differential. So what's interesting to note that is the opposite is true also. Whereas you can have a market that is moving higher. When I say a market, I'm talking about a broad-based index like the S&P 500 or the, the Russell 1000, Russell 2000, Russell 3000, the NASDAQ 100, or the NASDAQ itself. 
pick what you want, the Wilshire 5000 or maybe an international index. The fact of the matter is that there is some really interesting opposing factors. We can have instead of the 80-20 rule where we're seeing that 80% of the of the of the of the reason um that a stock can be that moves down is attributable to the, the the movement of an index. Well, what happens when we have an index that's moving up, but yet some stocks are moving down? Look, there's a lot of this going on right now. Investors want seemingly all of the potential profit from a company reflected in the stock price right now. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's like, hey, Here's a great stock. ABC Widget just really has a great opportunity than an area that they're leading in, that they're really creating. And you'll hear things like, you know, the, the, the TAM, the total addressable market for the widget is just incredible. We're going to hit $42 billion in sales and, you know, in 22 years and this and that. And then what happens is that buyers come in and they think, you know what? Wow, we're going to see this move up so dramatically in the future. Let's just simply buy the stock now and ramp that price up to where it should be five years from now. It's a little crazy. In other words, there's the idea that the stock could be worth $50 one day when it's maybe now $25. And if that's the case, well, let's buy it, especially when money is cheap or when there's a lack of patience. And we know that right now there's a lot of uh, 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 significant lack of patience when it comes to investors, they want their money and they want it now. And also we have some of these newer investors that are all about what they know. Yeah, that was great when Peter Lynch very memorably would talk about what you would buy with what you use, buy what you know. I get that totally. But just because you like a specific clothing brand does not necessarily mean that the stock is valuable. And you can substitute whatever product you want that would suit your fancy with regard to that comment. It Just because you, in fact, like it, or even all of your friends like it, or even the fact that everybody seemingly likes it, doesn't mean that long-term that's going to be a good stock. On the other hand, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad stock either. So just because you like chilling and watching movies does not mean that a movie theater chain is worth 200 times sales. You get what I mean there, right? Now, I'm still liking a lot of this meta platform names because I'll tell you why. I'm not thinking about today. I'm thinking about the future. You know, names like Facebook and NVIDIA, Roblox and Matterport and there's a few others that are out there in this whole area, even Apple for that matter, to a, to an extent. Microsoft, you know, these are all names we have in our aggressive strategy. Uh, the TDI managed growth strategy, trading strategy, essentially, the long short, the kind of um, positioning where we have individual equities. That's one strategy we have. And I talk about that a lot because it's kind of on my mind because it's active. Our other strategies, while active as well, we utilize more of a passive and active ETF and mutual fund, which is very good and in, in, in terms of appropriate, I should say, for a lot of people for your baseline core investments, long-term investing, utilizing diversification, asset allocation, rotation, and, and um, rebalancing. That is the core of what we have as clients. That's what most people have as the baseline, either through our global allocation strategies, or through Investology. The TDI Managed Growth Strategy is an adjunct, in, in addition, a diversifier on top of that. Because we can be concentrated and heavy, or we can be very light. We can be diversified there as well and have a large positioning in equities or not. We could have short positions as well. And it's interesting because... You know, as I look back at some of the positioning that we have and the short opportunities that were there, you know, a lot of them presented themselves as really great buy opportunities and did just fell off a cliff and then kind of had these, these fits and spurts in the end drop down dramatically. Some of them were overnight. You know, you look at some of the stay-at-home plays, like a, a Zoom media that just had the crash or DocuSign that, that, that just crashed. 
on an earnings. And and you see that um, a name like which we don't own any some of these some of these we have, but I'm talking about uh, in concept. You know, you look at the the Peloton. What happened there? Wow, that was a great thing for a while. But I still like a lot of these for a longer term. I'm kind of talking a little bit outward right now. I'm not talking with a trading hat on. I'm talking more with an investing an investing uh, mantra right now. And, and and these names and a few others that we're talking about, I think are interesting. And I'll tell you why. A lot of them are dropping down and have dropped dramatically. And as I mentioned, sometimes there are markets that hold up and underneath all of that, things are getting clobbered. And in particular, I think that even, let's admit it, the metaverse is a little strange. The concept of living inside of a headset is weird. The idea that, well, are we going to all just be laying around in our jammies <laughs> and putting on a headset each day and pretending that we're walking to work? Or better yet, you know, putting on some kind of outfit like we saw in Ready Player One? Or even getting into a machine and laying there like we saw in Avatar. Remember that whole way of doing things? Same concept. That's metaverse. That's all metaverse. Ready Player Warren, Avatar, same concept. Are we going to be in that kind of a world? Probably not. I don't think we're going to be on a treadmill throughout the day walking and doing things with some kind of outfit on that gives us some sensation on a physical basis with a headset on or some kind of other implant for that matter. But here's what I do know. There's going to be a lot of money spent on whatever is going to be. We know that because Facebook, AKA metaverse meta meta is the name of the stock. Now is the player that is putting up billions of dollars to develop this. And whether or not it catches on, it does well. The fact is that there is a huge amount of money that is being spent on this. And when there is that kind of money being spent on something, there is a lot of excess opportunity. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars that is going to be pumped in and targeted on this venture. So there's plenty of money to go around. There's no question about that. Lots of projects to get going. A lot of technology innovations and opportunities, a lot of changes to the way that we're doing things from an OS standpoint, even though recent update that Facebook is dropping the OS that they had been working on to develop the metaverse. But okay. So there's going to be winners and losers that are playing out on this whole thing. There's going to be some opportunities that are created. There's going to be some great prospects that are absorbed by bigger companies. So you got to keep an eye, out, an eye out on this. And this is really important that I'm mentioning this right now because many of these names did see a mountainous move that was dramatic and then they came down just as dramatically. What we want to find now is, is are we in a situation that these stocks were a bit of the canary in the coal mine for the excess PE and earnings ratios that were out there or are these the ones that are being flushed out because there was excess margin and buying on them, creating an opportunity on oversold level that may be setting up for great pricing to get in for an investment in the future. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes we see certain markets reacting earlier or later to where the actual big broad market is trading. These were all collapsing before the top came off of the markets. We saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P pretty much hit highs the latter part of December. These were all starting to fall apart. So you have to look at different areas and realize that there are opportunities regardless of what the market is doing. Really important. So keep an eye out, keep your list ready, write these down, find those support resistance lines, find the areas of where you're willing to get involved, really important. And as we're talking about tech and the bubble and the drop and the crash and the correction that we have seen in certain areas, I think we have to talk about the idea of rates. 
because the, the, the move, the astounding move over the last several days was absolutely wicked. It was absolutely wicked. What we saw was a situation where we come in towards the end of the year at 1.5%, and all of a sudden there's this renewed thought that, wow, you know what? Maybe the Fed won't be involved, but, you know, a little bit, but not a lot because we have this Omicron. And you know what? Mm, well, there's these other outstanding uh, powers that are out there that are actually providing a, a top level where rates probably won't go beyond. And here we are in the first part of this year where we popped right past my first line of resistance at that 1.69, 1.70 rate of return on the 10-year rate. Then it kept moving. Mind you, we, again, we were sub 1.5% on the 10-year just on December 31st. And it looks like some players held out until the end of the year and then they dumped into 2022, starting a cascade effect for prices as the Fed has been pretty vocal about their more hawkish position. Then the minutes from the FOMC came out this week on Wednesday. It hit the tape in the afternoon at 2 o'clock and confirmed that, yeah, mm-hmm, they are still serious about this idea of tamping down inflation. And, in fact, talked about how they don't have uh, really much sway on the jobs market. We reached full employment. Friday unemployment numbers came in a little bit light, 199,000 on the uh, non-farm payrolls, but yet we did st still see a reduction, a move from 4.1% down to 3.9% on the unemployment rate, which is like a really serious, hmm, head-scratching moment. How is that? How do we see only 199,000 that are added, but yet we see another 20 basis point drop, 4.1 to 3.9%. Still a couple million people out of work. How is that? What's happening? Very strange economic situation. By the way, might as well tell you right now, I've been doing this for 30 years following economics, looking at the comparison of markets and how they react trying to understand the interrelationships of the markets and economy, there is absolutely no correlation, in my opinion, right now to anything. Well, yes, we see rates go up, NASDAQ goes down, things like that. We see rates go up and banks go up also. And All right, that I'm talking about. But the economics right now, in terms of really being able to utilize any of the information, the statistical facts that are presented, supposedly, and I have big quotes around that, the statistical facts that are presented on all sorts of different data points are absolutely bogus right now, unusable. Part of it is that the Fed and those that are keeping up with the data have done a terrible job at adjusting to the things that are involved with the pandemic. The ability for them is stymied, first of all. The fact that they're using old information and tools and techniques is another situation. And the fact also remains that not only them, anybody would be having problems trying to figure out what's going on because it is a very strange phenomena that is going on right now. I would lend to the idea that the, the probability is we have a much better employment situation that even is showing in the establishment survey or in the employment numbers or in the unemployment rate. And I think a lot of that has to do with the creation of jobs in an area that's not counted as well, and that's your own business. A lot of people, whether it's gig-related or you started your own business, it's changed the environment dramatically. But yet the Fed and the BLS and the conference board and all the other players that are out there that collect this data, we'll call it your government, is really bad at putting all this together. So here we are in a situation that the yields have popped to 1.75% or so 
on Friday and markets freaked out, even though there was less of a uh, less additions to the payroll numbers. But yet the 3.9 percent kind of shows that's the number the Fed's going to look at. 800 plus of the ADP numbers that were added in the private payrolls on Wednesday. So once again, once again, very strange numbers. 199 in the official number on Friday, 800 on private on Wednesday. Weird. So what we saw was this incredible spike of yields. And the reason that markets are panicked and not doing well, it's the old frog in the water situation, right? You put a frog in a warm bath and he may love it. You turn the heat up slowly and he may just sit there until he's cooked. You throw a frog in a boiling pot of water, it's probably going to jump out pretty quickly. And how you now relate that to what's going on in the environment of yields is very simple. We saw this massive move up for the 10-year to go from 1.5 to 1.77 in a matter of days is pretty significant. Yeah, we've seen some of this before, and each and every time, markets react just as dramatically. And I think that's a major issue that you need to be looking at. And and when we have uh, this big concentration in things like uh, in tech and the sell-off that, again, has been from the concentrated high-value tech, like really concentrated, and these big losers like pandemic plays and cloud software, there's another side to this equation as well where this is really beneficial, like energy, like financials, like those companies that do better in these kinds of environments. Now, there is a little bit of, a, I would say, theory that's going on right now that is kind of playing this up really well. And everybody's buying into this whole thing that, well, if rates go up, that means technology has to go down. Yeah, I'll go with that because you, when you do your calculations on a discounted basis, you use a risk-free rate of return without getting too complicated. What happens is that just simply plugging into an Excel spreadsheet, a higher rate of return for the 10-year or the two-year causes for that risk-free rate to go up and the valuation potential to go down. Okay, okay. But the fact of the matter is that this is not always the case. And in fact, we have to look at the, the, the reality of this concentration risk that was really there that everybody piled into and wanted because of the great returns over the last several years, this technology, the cloud. See what happened with Salesforce recently? That was kind of interesting. Dropped off a cliff. Even Microsoft started coming in. Apple. These are great names, right? No question. But valuations got a little out of tilt. And what we're seeing is that there is a bit of a changeover. And this is why for a lot of people who have been sitting on the sideline, this is probably one of these great times to get involved in a variety of names that could show great potential for the future. Because that's actually a good time, a little sales note, ding, ding, to get involved in one of our strategies, particularly the TDI Managed Growth Strategy. You can see all the information over on the disciplinedinvestor.com. But I think there's some really interesting names that we have the opportunity to pick up on right now. And if you haven't gone, by the way, through the uh, virtual tour of the strategy, go to the site. There's a link in the episode notes as well, episode 748 on the disciplinedinvestor.com. And you can see actually what's going on with a virtual tour of the managed growth strategy, how we pick the stocks, what we have in the portfolios, in concept, et cetera. Now, what is actually happening and why it's interesting time for markets on now is the combination of all what we talked about. And I think, I think what we have to say is that there is clearly a stealth correction and stealth rallies that are going on right now. And the rally was really easy to see, right? It's, it's, it's again, in the bigger names and the markets have been moving pretty much in unison. But even in December, maybe a little further back than that, Around there, there was plenty of names getting slaughtered. We talked about the sinkhole a few weeks ago and be aware of that. Well, now what I want you to think about is this stealth correction, this stealth correction that went on. And 
the names that maybe were undeservedly beaten down. Something I'm watching right now is, we're going to call it a soft signal. Something I kind of I watch, and it's Chinese tech names. Now, recently, there's been a little bit of a change in how we have to really think about these names because the Chinese government has done quite the number on many of these companies from black hoods and sweeping away CEOs at night to, which is bad, <laughs> really bad, to the idea of giving back the money and sharing the wealth to shutting down certain players and uh, just closing down entire companies or not even allowing them to become available in the public markets or pulling them off of certain markets. So there's a lot going on there. There's no question. And the, and if you wonder, if you look at a chart on KWeb, K-W-E-B, why it's down so dramatically over the last year. But look how long ago it started moving down. And I think there's some really interesting points right there. It's a 50% move on those names. 50%. Now, a lot of that was, again, due to the extra regulation and the environment that we're under and, and, and kind of different because um, you, you don't usually see these kinds of things. But it was pretty dramatic and very much significant to the profitability. Therefore, prices move down. So that makes kind of sense. But I want to watch this because one of the things that I've seen in the past is uh, a bit of a canary in the in 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 the in the mine, if you will, that you have a potential for Chinese names in Asia in particular to really react very dramatically ahead of any occurrence and then come back. I remember this back from 2008, even through the pandemic, we saw there was a significant amount of movement in the Asian markets and then they went down, crashed first, and then came back first. And if you look at a chart, like I said, it's pretty agonizing with what looks like a really difficult run. But I'm watching this because I think it is interesting to think about whether or not if this is a front runner of what is expected. And if so, the, the roll-off for many of these cloud names that we saw kind of are tied to the same kind of situation, the same look. And if that's the case, if we find a if, we big if, if we find the K-Web starts basing out and then everybody's flushed out and said, okay, I've sold enough and willing to step in and take on that risk because the price action is also about risk appetite. And what people are willing to do and and utilize their money for, what they're willing to buy, right? Isn't that the whole point? And looking at another name like ARKK, not because of the holdings and the manager themselves that everyone seems to be all a gush about, you know, Kathy Wood, Kathy Wood, Kathy Wood, down 24% in 2021, uh, down 48% from all-time high, but had a great 2020. That's great. Again, but the holding represents risk appetite, in my opinion. And there may be a signal of when some of the selling is ending in certain areas of the market, the areas that have had this, as we're calling it, this stealth correction or even crash. We look for clues. We look for breadcrumbs, signals. These are things to know. These are things that we need to really focus on when we're seeing that markets are out of joint. It's easy enough just to be fully invested, 100% or even leveraged, and even concentrated, non-diversified. That's another point. you got to be diversified in these kind of situations. Now, even so, you may get knocked on the head a little bit during market corrections. No question about that. And that's where the potential for right now higher cash buffers like we're using are important. But the idea that these stealth corrections are interesting because they may happen in different sectors. For example, no one wanted energy for years, and then it becomes one of the best-performing asset classes kind of out of the blue without even looking. And before you know it, wow, look at that move. When did that happen? You ask yourself.
but I want you to be aware of that right now. Something I'm trying to talk about and bring to your attention and educate you on this is that now is the time. There is a signal that is being broadcast and used by managers right now. The Fed will tighten. Rates are going to go up, and therefore we'll see compression in valuation metrics and PE multiples. We must shrink these because when money is not cheap, it isn't going to work. Lean on cyclos when rates go up. That's been the rallying call for a while right now. However, put that aside because that's right in front of us. That's everywhere. What are we missing? What are we missing? Where else are there opportunities in the market? Where can we pick up some signals and find those breadcrumbs and look at where those paths will lead us to those clues that can say, you know what? This is oversold to a point that is ridiculous to a point that, you know what? Man, that is a screaming buy right there that we're going to hold for a while. Remember I, I said, we're not talking trading necessarily. We're talking about longer-term investing right now in this discussion. So if we see that the stock is down from the all-time high by 40 60%, because maybe it got ahead of its skis in a dramatic way from the standpoint of what investors expected, but still has a great road in ahead of it and an opportunity, why not think about, oh, man, there's blood in that street right there. Why not pick up some of this if you think it's going to be an opportunity? And we're really focusing back to and bring this all back to the meta idea, the metaverse. As weird as I think it is, I think there's money to be spent there. So there you have it. At the top of the show, I mentioned a couple things. Uh, I want to pick up on the idea of inflation just for a moment here. Because as I was a crazy person a few months ago, signaling, calling out, yelling, freaking out about the idea that we are not in a transitory inflation. How many times have you heard me say that? It is not transitory. That is correct. I also said something else. At the same time, inflation is always transitory. It all depends on the time frame that you're looking at. The time frame that the Fed was looking at and the idea that it was transitory, they were talking about a couple of three months. That was stupid. There was no way that there was going to be just a couple of months of inflation with all the money that was spat on the markets, with the fact that we saw the supply chain issues that were going on, with rates at super uber crazy emergency level lows. Combine all of that, and we kind of knew that inflation was kind of here for a while. However, here we are when everybody now believes is inflation. However, here we are also in a time when financial tightening has begun by the very notion of what the Fed said they were going to do with the quantitative easing. So now they're thinking about going into a quantitative tightening or at least reducing down the balance sheet, letting things run off a bit, and reducing down their purchases naturally so that at the end of February, there's no more bond purchases that are going on, and potentially having the liftoff. <laughs> they use such crazy phrases, right? Just to kind of have us buy into all this. But the liftoff of rates when they're going to start moving them up, sometime maybe by March, at least one move. And now, all of a sudden, here we are in a situation that I do believe that with the Omicron situation... Potential for consumer sentiment and all the things that are out there that we may have reached the apex of where inflation is going for the time being. I really do believe that. I think that prices are going to stabilize. We're already seeing that in some areas of commodities. Yeah, lumber prices jacked up again and we did see gas and oil prices start moving again. But let's back up a little bit. Some of the supply chain issues are starting to dissipate in certain areas. Yes, there are problems in other areas, but I'm saying, generally speaking, people have already gone crazy and bought everything they needed to buy for the holidays and went crazy with the idea that, oh, my God, you know, we're not going to get any of these things. And now things are starting to soften up a bit. Point, though, is with all of that, we may see that inflation has peaked. Now, it may not be 
next week when we see the CPI number, which I think is going to be a little bit lighter than expected, but still high. But I don't think necessarily that we have that worry that we're going to see this going up a la Venezuela style. I just don't see that happening. Remember, we don't have much more in the way of stimulus that's being paid out. If you remember the discussion with Danielle DiMartino Booth that we had a few episodes ago, which was a great, great interview. You remember she talked about some of the things that are stopping because we couldn't pass the multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill before the end of the year and therefore child tax credits and child payments and various other stimulus programs were not going to happen. That means money's out of the system. So I think that's a big issue right now and let's watch that because I think that possibly we've seen some of these names. Again, another reason I'll put on the reasons to be very much watching and aware and alert to some of the names that have really come down very significantly. I think there's an opportunity to to hop on some of these. Now, I also talked at the top of the show about this idea of the January effect. So here we are. It's January 9th, 2022. What's going on with the January effect? We've seen things like you know, sell in May and go away. We see the Santa Claus rally, all these kinds of things that are presented, these themes, these these seasonality discussions. And I want to read from you for you uh, from Investopedia what their definition is of the January effect. And I want to talk a little bit about some of this. So what they say is that the January effect is a perceived seasonal increase in stock prices during the month of January. Analysis generally attributes the rally to an increase in buying, which follows the drop in price that typically happens in December when investors engaging in tax loss harvesting do it to offset realized capital gains that prompt a sell-off. They say another explanation possibly is that investors use year-end cash bonuses to purchase investments the following month. While this market anomaly has been identified in the past, the January effect seems to be have largely disappeared as its presence became known. The point here is, by the way, if you think about what I just said and what I just read, that this theory assumes that markets are inefficient. And when I say markets, I'm talking about the markets themselves. I mean, if that was the case, everyone would stake some money on January 1st to capture this. But... If that was the case, and everybody did this, wouldn't that make the markets less efficient concept, more efficient? The markets would be efficient because everybody knows about it. So there's no way that markets can be efficient if everybody knows about something, and what that's called is a circular calculation. Therefore, there's no reliability in this thesis. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, think about it. If everybody knows about something, there's no longer an inefficiency. Markets are now efficient, and therefore they equalize. And so far, even if it was the case, and we did have this January effect, and we did see people selling off for all sorts of reasons at the end of December, which necessarily didn't happen, but it ain't so far by the 9th cleaning itself up. So here's your job as I see it with all this information we talked about on this episode over the next few weeks, your homework. Yep, homework. I want you to find some of the stocks that have been in that stealth correction and see where they may have a point to buy on support. Knowing that there is an undercurrent of selling that's going on and it may go on for a bit. Then I want you to create a watch list. I've talked about this before, the whole idea of creating a watch list. Very simple. You could do it in a software package like TradingView or, or Schwab or Interactive Brokers or TradeStation, whatever it has. You can make a list of them. You can use an app. Very simple. Create a watch list and prices that you'd be willing to buy them on and then buy again if it falls below that. Eventually, a price that you have that you'll say, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm out. We're going to let it sit. And I want you also to draw in or have ready the potential profit zone. 
e even better, even better. If there are those names out there that you really want to own for the long term, then what price are you looking at entry and add-on that you're willing to hang on to it for a really long time? Are there those names out there that you're willing to do that with? Just think about it. Now, as this is the first show, well, it's actually, hmm, it's actually the second show of 2022. But I'm calling it the first show because the real, really the first time we got into some of the things that are going on within the year 2022. Last one showed up on a Sunday and it was before the markets opened for the year. So I want to set the stage for what's coming up and what we are doing here. Maybe I should have done this at the beginning of the show. But yes, yes, we will have some great guests coming on as we always have done. In fact, I rely on you to provide me some information on who you think would be a great guest for the show. Who you think is just a stellar opportunity for me to talk to? Let's get them on the show. Send me the inf information on their name, a little bit about them. Simply go to thedisciplinedinvestor.com, click on the Ask Andrew button, and post your thoughts. You can post your comments on other items as well, or just general inquiries right there. Or if you have a question, a lot of times what we do is put the listener questions on shows, so you could do that there as well. If you have a great idea for a show, a topic, a theme, same thing, let us know. We'll take a look at it, and we're going to try to make it happen. We'll put the team on it to see if we can get the guests to make the show itself, maybe thematically. And we'll put that together because it's not just me talking to you. It's a conversation that we have each and every week. The show is developed by what you want and what is happening. So if you got a great idea, write a great guest, let me know about it. Because what we're doing here is important. It's a combination of education, ideas, maybe some entertainment here and there. And you know what's really interesting, and I, and I think you need to know this. You need to hear this. All of us learn a little something each and every show, and that includes me. Whether it's the research I do for the show itself or the research I'm doing throughout the week that I said that can be used on the show, or in fact, the guests that are brought on and they teach me something, or I learn something, it's a learning experience. And the way that we prosper, get ahead in life, is not by being stagnant, not by doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result. We have to grow. And part of that is growing our education and information on finances and learning and doing and getting ourselves to a level where we can feel comfortable making those decisions. There's so many of you out there. I know you because you've I've, you've talked to me. You've told me you're so afraid to make a move. How is that going for you? How is that going? How is that doing? You haven't lost any money? Okay, great. Have you made any money? What are you going to do when that time comes? You have to live off that money. Start thinking about that right here and now. Market. The beginning of 2022, the question, how am I going to live on my money if it's not producing income for me in the future? And we'll learn together. We'll work on that together. We'll talk about it. We'll laugh. We'll cry. We'll deal with it. That's what we're here for. That's what I do with my clients as well. We do this together every week. We're approaching 11 million downloads of this show, that says a lot. So summing this all up from what we talked about this week, what did we learn? What is it that we actually learned this week? I think we learned that markets are efficiently inefficient, inefficiently inefficient to a degree. In other words, markets are generally efficient when we look at the broad-based market. What that doesn't mean is that all of, every investment is, is efficient. When we look at this in its totality, there is efficiency, and that's why big groups of stocks are invested in with ETFs. Opportunities, though, are still there. 
That is why I asked you to make that list, that homework of the names that have fallen in a, just a pack-like mode. That stealth correction that have not looked into could go unnoticed, and one day we will look back and say, oh, wow. There were some real bargains there. Boy, did I miss that. Consider that as your goal and your commitment, not resolution, commitment for 2022. Number one, to ask yourself, how am I going to live on my money in the future with the fact that I'm not invested and what am I going to do about it? I'll help you get through that if you want. Again, we got that whole idea of, of, of one foot in, one foot out that people really did well with over the last few years, the concept of dollar cost averaging into the markets. A lot of uh, pain averted from all of that. Secondly, make your list. Do your homework. And with that, I bid you adieu. I'll see you next week. Make sure to check out thedisciplinedinvestor.com. Just stop what you're doing right when you're dealing with this. Just type it in. Send yourself a note. Send yourself an email. Put a reminder. I'm going to check out that site and see what's going on. See how I get some help here on my finances. That's what we do. Love to talk to you personally. Just write me a note. Hey, Andrew, I'd love to talk to you. I'll get on the phone and chat. Love that. So thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you again next week and every week on the Discipline Investor Podcast. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.